what the, it, it seems like what the Bible thinks is that who, who we believe ourselves to be is way more important than, than the actions that we undertake. And, and if we actually lived lives that were congruent with who we believed ourselves to be, then uh, we would uh, the, the, then we, we would live very differently. Can I just maybe borrow your remote? That might be the easiest thing to do. Uh, no problem. So, sorry, brunched through a few things off today, and things were a little bit later than we'd like them to be. How are we doing back there, Simon? <laughs> it's still at the exact same point? Okay, so, um, so, uh, yeah, well, uh, what's that? <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 maybe, so, uh, we're in Ephesians chapter one, and we're going to see, uh, we're going to, we're going to see what, what he's talking about here, so, what we've talked about is that, that church is always referring to people. It's not referring to a bit, to a to an organized group. Church is always re- referring to uh, a people gathered. Church is referring to cosmic people, not just us individually. It's referring to us across time and throughout space. Church is always referring to thank you. Church is always referring. Uh, to uh, to and and church is always about going, going into the world. Uh, yeah, empowering, communicating truth that transforms. So, um, and that and that's who we are. We, we're not uh, we're not a business. We're not an organization. All of those things are secondary to to, to who we are as human beings and, and and what we've been called to do. And. And what we're going to find, uh, and the next thing that we're going to be talking about is last week we talked about adoption. That the first part of who we are is that we have been adopted into the family of Christ. That, that if you've come here today wondering where do I belong, do I fit in anywhere, do I have family that I'm a part of, the, the, the answer to that question is yes. You have been adopted into the family of God and have the option, always have the option of behaving congruently with that. That, that, that we have become heirs of the kingdom of Christ because what, uh, of what he has done within us. But as we're in Ephesians, it doesn't, it doesn't stop there because uh, it continues past uh, the idea of adoption into the idea of being completely remade and made new. So, uh, so this is where we're going to start in, in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians, chap- Ephesians chapter 2, sorry. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Now, it's interesting because in establishing our identity, Paul starts in the book of Ephesians with sin. Now, sin is an uncomfortable word and a concept for us. For some of us, sin is a very heavy word that, 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 that bears a lot of, uh, of memories and burdens for us. I grew up thinking of sin as, as a list of places where I, uh, of infractions that I had broken. 
You know, that there was this list somewhere of all of the rules, and some of the rules you knew, like don't have long hair, and don't listen to music with drums, and don't go to movies, right? And, 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 if you, and, and some of the rules you didn't know, like don't use the wrong tone of voice with the wrong person. And, and every time you broke one of those, there was, there was like, a, there was like a, 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 a little minus put in a column somewhere, right? And that, and that if you got enough of those minuses, that, and they all added up, then eventually you would have to pay for all of those minuses by burning in hell for eternity. Like, that's kind of the concept that I, I grew up with. And then for other people that, that didn't grow up with that kind of religious background that I did, a lot of people, this, the word sin now means something entirely different. The word sin means something fluffy and fun. It's a little bit of an indulgence. You know, we talk about, we talk about like a sinful chocolate or a sinful, you know, the idea of sin is, 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 is it refers to eating bad things or, 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 or engaging in behaviors that are slightly unhealthy. Uh, sin is referred to as a mere indulgence, you know, which, which changes the entire concept of sin because it moves it from an active, uh, from our behaviors into the concept of, uh, uh, of, uh, of, of nice things that you're depriving me. And the reality is, what the Bible talks about when it talks about sin is, is, is different than either of those things. That the, the idea of sin is, is something completely different. If we look at the Greek, we see that there are two words that are used here. As for you, you were dead in your, in your, para, uh, in your para, paraptoma is the, the word in Greek. Uh, which is the word that we have translate, uh, translated for, uh, for transgressions. And this literally means false step or to fall beside or close to. Uh, so this seems to be you were dead in your, in your unintentional actions, that, that somehow you, you, you fell into things and you made mistakes that brought about destructions. That, that, that's kind of what it's talking about. And, but it also has, in addition to those unintentional errors, we have this second word, hamartia, which is the word that we have for sin, and that literally means to, to miss the mark. And, and it's used uh, in the context of archery. If you were aiming at a target and you missed, you hamartiaed. But also, it was used in the context of ethical failures. Like if you, if you really did something that was destructive to yourself and to the people around you, that was an act of hamartia. So... And this idea uh, of sin that Paul is talking about moves from being a list of behaviors or a mild indulgence, and all of a sudden it, it, it encompasses destructive behaviors that we have that are both unintentional and intentional. And, and the writer, uh, Francis, a British writer named Francis Buford, uh, describes this, I think, brilliantly um, when, he talks, uh, when he talks about sin, when he refers to it as, uh, the hu- and some of you may have heard this from me before, the human prote- propensity to mess things up. Now, he doesn't use uh, the word mess. He uses a word that is much more rude and not appropriate for Sunday morning, but actually very appropriate for the con- concept of sin. And this is what he writes. Our appointment with realization often comes at one of the classic moments of adult failure, when a marriage ends when a career stalls or crumbles, when a relationship fades away with a child seen only on Saturdays, when a supposedly recreational coke habit turns out to be exercising veto powers over every other hope and dream. It need not be dramatic, though. It can equally well be drifting into a place of one more pleasant, indistinguishable little atom of wasted time, one more morning like all the others, which quietly discloses you to yourself. You're lying in the bath, and you notice that you're 39 
and that you don't have children, and that the way you're living bears scarcely any resemblance to what you thought you've always wanted. You got here by choice, by a long series of choices for things which at any one moment temporarily outbid the things you say you wanted most. And as the water cools, and in the light of Saturday morning uh, in summer ripples heartlessly on the bathroom ceiling, you glimpse an unflattering version of yourself as a being whose wants make no sense, don't harmonize, whose desires deep down are discordantly arranged, so that you, what you truly want, so that you, so that you truly want to possess, and you truly want not to at the same time, you're equipped, you realize, for farce or even tragedy more than you are for happy endings. The human propensity to mess things up dawns on you. You have, or, or uh, for the sake of keeping the letters to fudge things up dawns on you. You have indeed fudged things up. Of course you have, you're human, and that's where we live, and that's our normal experience. And it's interesting as we say this, that, that as, we, as we read this, this starts to make sense to us, that, there are, that, that, uh, that that's our normal ex- human experience, that, that we do fail and we recognize failure. This is from his book, Unapologetic, why despite everything, Christianity can still make a surprising emotional sense if you're looking to write that down and get it from the library, Mary Catherine. I <laughs> if we're honest with ourselves, we recognize that we have a tendency to turn things that are good into things that are destruction, into things that are destructive. On an individual basis and in moderation, the Baconator is one of the beautiful, most beautiful things that humanity has ever made. But yet taken in excess, that Baconator will destroy you, and I know that personally. So we recognize that, that things that were intended to be good and intended to be beautiful in their own contents, context have a desire to destroy us. And even actions that were intended for good can have disastrous consequences. This work is the individual, at the individual level and at the, uh, uh, and, uh, at the societal level to the point where, where our individual desire to have a slightly nicer home can lead us to be consumed by the desire to have, have a couple extra square feet which, which uproots everything in our lives to at the societal level where, where a possibly good intention to integrate some First Nations people better into our society turned into the genocidal and horrible residential school system. We have a human propensity to mess things up. And, and according to Scripture and according to Paul, the arc of humanity doesn't bend towards better. It bends towards banal, where we end up as human beings neither dead nor alive, neither knowing what is good nor what is bad, to the point where we're, where we're enraged by slights and ignore injustice where we're lost. And what Francis Buford says here so beautifully sounds very familiar to those of you who are familiar with Scripture because it begins to sound like this. Yeah. Yeah. It begins to sound like this, what Paul wrote in Romans 7. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but I hate what I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. 
For I know the good itself does not dwell in me, that is my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. We see Paul expressing this out where, where there's something wrong inside me that, do, that is not congruent with the world around me. And our desires get messed up. We have a human propensity to fudge things up and we get lost and distracted. And when we're honest with ourselves, we come to this realization where we can agree with what Paul says in Ephesians 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit uh, who is now at work in those who are being disobedient. When we talk about sin and transgression, we're not talking about a list of, uh, of infractions that we've committed. We're not talking about minor indulgences. We're talking about the thing that is inside us that is destroying us. That despite our best intentions, turns this world into a place that is not safe for everyone. Turns this world into a place where our desires get twisted in order to manipulate us into spending money on things we don't want. Giving our allegiances to people who only want to use us finding ourselves rebelling against everything we know to be right. That's what we're talking about when we talk about sin. This is what it looks like. We know what that looks like. We know what it feels like. But in the midst of this, we have been given an opportunity to be made new. We have been made alive. And part of this is because now, as followers of Jesus, as people who engage in the reality of of seeing the world in his way, we find ourselves able to see the emptiness and the things that we used to chase, chase and the death and destruction left behind us as we fudged things up and realize that we have been saved from that. That what we have been saved from is immense. That we have been made alive. That, that we no longer have to live those banal lives of quiet drudgery that we were living beforehand. But now we can give ourselves over in a way that makes this world better for everyone else. By God, We've been made alive. By God's grace, we've been made alive. So now we ask the question, what does being made alive look like? And God raised... And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared and advanced for us to do. Being made alive means seeing the incomparable riches of the grace of God, seeing every dead thing possibly made alive, seeing, as Jesus said, the blind see, the lame walk, good news being preached to the poor, freedom for everyone that is in captivity, either to oppressive regimes or to a consumer culture, to see ourselves and every other human being as God sees us, and to see everyone as God sees them. This is what we've been made alive to do. Can we go forward or can you go forward there? Oh, that's interesting. Anyway. Okay, we're, oh, should we turn it off and turn it back on again? 
So we're in, in, in Ephesians uh, chapter 2, verses 6 to 10, if, you are, uh, if you're old school and you want to open the Bible that's in front of you. That, that, who, <laughs> that who we are is to, to see people as God made them. And this is a challenge because we live in a culture that, that, that and we've done this for, 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 for millennia as humanity, that we, we see people in the roles that they've been made to play in our world. This is the, every one of us, and this is true whether, uh, whether we like it or not, every one of us has a tendency to view our lives as a movie in which we are the main character. You know, in my mind, I am the main character of the movie, and you are all happening to me. And, and you believe the same thing. So I believe you, as, I, I see you as either a hero if you're trying to help me do what I want to do. I see you as a villain if you're trying to prevent me from doing what I try to, I'm trying to do. I see you as an extra or I see you as a, as a bigger role. My wife obviously is, is second on the list of the performers in my, in my movie. So, so she has a relatively important role, gets a, a decently bigger trailer. But some of you are merely extras. They're like, oh, you, you might get access to the, to, the, to, to the craft services table, but maybe not. You don't get quite the same level of support as the main players do. But that's not what we've been called to in God. In God, we've been called to see our lives as a movie where, where, where God is the main character. And that all of us are surrounding players. and That all of us play an equal role in that. All of us have the same spot and the same access. That there is none of us who are... Who are who are treated differently in the midst of this. And that's, that's a challenge to see everyone as God sees them, to, 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 to see, as, as C.S. Lewis called it, the, that everyone, uh, uh, to see every human being that we encounter either as a beautiful angel of heaven or as a demon from hell, which they have the potential to be. And it's interesting, because Paul explains this saying that we have been given this opportunity to see everyone as, as in the way that God has created them, to see the incomparable riches of God's grace expressed in kindness through uh, Christ Jesus. But he also needs to include this line, for it is grace for you by you have been saved through faith. It is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, lest anyone should boast. This is the human propensity to mess things up, because even in the midst of seeing the beauty of God's work among us, in the midst of seeing the incomparable riches in the coming ages that he might show to us in his grace, we still have the opportunity to turn to pride and think like, look at me, I earned this. So in the midst of explaining this, Paul has to put a caveat into it that like, by the way, don't let get ahead of yourselves. You didn't make this. This is a gift of God, lest anyone should boast. So being alive then looks like us seeing every human being as we ought to see them, and then it looks like doing good works. Because it says this, and this is why I, you'll notice I started to put the verse numbers under at the bottom here. I don't generally like to do that because verse numbers were added later as a help for memorization. They weren't added until about 1400, uh, uh, 1400 AD. They're fine, but the problem is, is that what we've done in our culture is that we've reduced scripture to a collection of verses as to opposed to a, a whole, a whole, uh, uh, as opposed to a whole book, a collection of uh, a library of books that, that God's knowledge. And, and I had to memorize these verses as a kid where I would get to the verse, for it is grace by you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that no one could boast. But, it le- but I never was called to memorize the next verse, which says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
Both of these things are connected so that being made alive looks like us doing good works. It looks like us going into the world that we've been called to and repairing things that have been messed up by us and by others, by entering into this world and doing good in it. Because we can see what the incomparable riches of God are and what we have, we remake and repair the world that has fallen, uh, to play, uh, fallen apart. As an example of what has been done, to us, done in us, we do that in the world. And this is why the good news that we preach is so important. There's a tendency that we have in evangelical churches, and this is, isn't just us, this is all of us uh, in the Western world, that, that, that we believe this, but then what we preach is come to church, and then good things will happen to you eventually when you die, right? And that there's this pie in the sky by and by that is good and wonderful, and that you get to participate in that later. But, but now your job is to participate in behaving well and making sure that you don't get too many minuses in your column. And... and and, and, and that's a dangerous way for us to be Christians in the world because the people that need most desperately to hear the message that we have, the message of good news that shares the in- incomparable riches of Christ Jesus and his grace are people whose wants make no sense and don't harmonize, whose desires deep down are discordantly arranged so that you, tru- so that you truly want to possess and you truly want not to at the very same time. And, and people who are equipped, they realize, for farce, even for tragedy, more than for happy endings. Our half-gospel presentations of shiny people leave those people who are so desperately wounded, who have the, the inability to explain their own desires, leave them and us, because that's us too, leave us empty. Our half-gospel presentations of, of, of that God can turn us into, uh, let, here are seven ways to make your marriage work. Here are seven steps to be a better person in your world. Here are seven ways to have success at your work. Those, those half-gospel presentations leave people who desperately need to hear the good news still feeling empty and leave them without the, the and leave these wounded people without the news that they can be remade, remade into God's craftsmanship, God's handiwork. The you, as much as we are all individually broken, we are being handmade into a beautiful work of art that does exactly what God has intended it to do. It's interesting that as we talk about brokenness and working in the midst of brokenness, that we find ourselves working with technology that has not doing what it's supposed to do. Um, but in the midst of that, you guys are going to remember some of this stuff that I never intended it to. Oh, we're way... I have no idea where we're at. What's that? Uh, just go to the last slide. This is a challenge for us because we have a twofold good news. The good news for people is that they're... The good news is, is starts as bad news that all people are dead in their sins and transgressions. People don't want to hear that. But what they do want to hear is that 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 angst inside them, that weight, that, that thing that they feel that the world is not as it's supposed to be, that they're right about that. The reason why they're right is because we have, we have all gone astray. We have turned everyone, into our, uh, everyone to our own way. But the good news is that in the midst of this, God is meeting us and God is making all things new. And, and, and can help us and make us to see clearly. So that's the message that we ought to and need to bring as a church. 
We have the challenge in us and we want to revert to half gospel messages sometimes because it's easier, it's more convenient, it's easier to, to put into a, into a 12-point plan. But this is what God has in mind for us and this is the message that we carry, that we are God's handiwork despite everything. So we need to live and breathe both of these at the same time and you guys are really good at that. Broken people have a place here. But we need to make sure that we also reinforce that we do not stay broken. That God is remaking us and making all things new. Let's, pr- let's pray together. God. We come to you as people who get distracted, whose desires don't line up. We come to you as people who, who, who want to do good, but we find ourselves unable to do good, and we find ourselves that despite our own desires, find ourselves sinning. We find ourselves engaging in, 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 in patterns of behavior that are not what we want. We find ourselves repeating things that we thought that we had left behind. We find ourselves lost and dismayed, and we find ourselves looking at ourselves and looking at the world as a place that you have abandoned, that you have left astray, that, that, that is headed towards destruction. But that is a lie, Lord. And we ask that you fill our hearts with the truth, that you are making all things new, that those of us who follow you are, despite our own propensity to mess things up, are being made new and our desires are being made new and we're being brought in line to what you have called us to and that we are your handiwork to design to do good work that you have planned for us from the beginning. So help us to see that. Help us to live that. Help us to remember that when we look in the mirror and see all of the ways that we've messed up and we lie down in bed at night and we start to hear the litany of voices telling us all the things that we missed, all the things that we did wrong, that we would also hear the voice of the Holy Spirit coming in clearly and quickly. It's not, for it's by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves, lest anyone should boast. You are Christ's handiwork designed to do good works which were planned for you from the beginning. We pray that we would hear that voice clearly as well and that we would make room and proclaim that voice for other people as well. And we ask this in the name of your son, Jesus.